0: cannot be today like this when teenagers are pumped up about the grace of God. Thank you so much, Mike Tam. Great to see you. And I want to welcome you, especially if you're new to this place. Uh, welcome to the church family, whether it's your first time in the family or their 500th time. We are so glad to have you. I want to catch you up on our series called The Thrill of Hope. One of the concepts we explore is the idea that when you have hope, you can do almost anything and it seems like you have everything. You're unstoppable. But if you lose hope, seems like you can't do anything and you have almost nothing and that's especially true with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it is to have hope that we are significant and are living a significant life. Our first takeaway this morning is this, that sometimes in life if we don't have purpose or significance, it can seem awfully aimless. If I don't know why I'm here and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, it can seem aimless without a purpose. To back this up, I wanna tell you a story of a man named Larry Walters. I need to take you back to the year 1982. Some of you know that's a good year, the 80s, all right. And Larry Walters had a dream, he had a purpose. He was gonna be a pilot, he was born to fly. The only problem for Larry is that he could not see correctly. He didn't have a perfect vision, which was a requirement to be a pilot. And so Larry took a less than job. He was a truck driver in California. And every day he went through his purposeless life, he did his job, came home, sat in his lawn chair in the backyard and just vegged out. Same thing every day, he went to work, came home, sat in the lawn chair, vegged out. But he couldn't stop the dream. He was compelled to fly. And so Larry had a great idea. Well, he didn't have a pilot's license and he didn't have a plane, he did have a lawn chair. And so he thought that with a lawn chair and about 43 weather balloons, he would attain flight. And sure enough, in 1982, he did. Here's what it looks like. And, and this works so well that Larry was three miles up in the air where two commercial airliners had spotted him. They had called that into the uh, Long Beach airport, uh, saying that they see a man in a lawn chair. Now, now at this point, Larry is probably a little freaked out. He's there with his pellet gun for the balloons. He's there with a sandwich, a radio, and, and some beer, which is maybe why he got into it. But anyway, uh, it's a lesson for another day, especially young people. But Larry, after 45 minutes, finally had enough gumption to shoot one of the weather balloons. And so his descent came down. Larry made it safely back to the ground. And when interviewed, uh, asked why he did all this, Larry said, it was something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years. If I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up in the funny farm. See, when you have a purpose, like being a pilot, you'll do almost anything to achieve it. When you know what you're here for, you know how to, with laser focus, pursue that thing and get after it. The greatness of purpose and significance. In fact, studies show that uh, even as you age, um, it's it's essential to have significance and purpose, whether you're retired or not. A study was done uh, among 7,000 people aged 51 to 61, and they found that those who had a significant purpose had better lives, better quality of life, and actually lived longer. In fact, the medical doctor said this, said the need for meaning is pur- and purpose is number one. It's the deepest driver of well-being that there is. Can you relate to this? Do you know what it is to have the need of significance or purpose that drives you, that propels you? Do you know you are here on purpose? You know, one thought that our society or maybe even scientists compel us to believe is that maybe we're just a random collection of cosmic dust, that came here by happenstance. But, but maybe if you do have a purpose, another question is, how, how well are you at fulfilling that purpose right now? How well are you doing with the purpose that God put you here? As we consider these things, I, I love gathering in the house of God because God's word is a, a lamp. It shines so much. God reminds us that you are here on purpose for a purpose, In the first lesson we considered, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. I've planned some things for you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, a very famous section of scripture, uh, God reminds us that we're not just saved from something here on earth, but we're actually saved for something. Some of you know these scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I, I bet our choir probably knows Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Do you know how it starts? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. And this is the message of Christmas, the message the church builds upon. Our salvation is a complete free gift of God. You could do nothing to save yourself. God had to do everything, and it's a gift. He saved you from sin, death, and hell. Hallelujah. But look what he also saved us. He saved us for something. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you're taking notes, another takeaway. You're not just, saved from something, but for something. And we get to discuss through the lens of God's word, what maybe is that for, and how do we go after it? We're going to do that by looking at Mary's story. Uh, So Mary had a very significant purpose. Would you agree? Mary's purpose on earth was to be the mother to the Son of God. I'm not sure you can beat that one the mother of the Son of God. And as she understands and receives the revelation of her purpose, she also gives us the posture of receiving that purpose. She gives us the posture of what we need to really live for the Lord going forward. So we're going to consider her story. It's recorded in Luke chapter 1. Feel free to follow along in your worship folder or on the screen. Here it says, So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary finds her purpose and then also gives us a wonderful response. I am the Lord's servant. We get to consider this. Before we move on, uh, could you turn to your neighbor and tell him something? Could you tell him that you are significant? You are significant. Do you know what it is to live for the approval of other people? I want to bring you back to the first job I had. I was in Orlando, Florida, across from the campus of UCF, working at a movie theater. And it was a pretty neat first job because I was paid to be polite. And my parents had taught me how to be polite, so I get paid for that. That's pretty great. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, leaving that job. Uh, unbeknownst to me, everyone had signed my cup. The cup that I brought to work, everyone uh, wrote a, a message. And so you had some very common messages, you know, like, we'll miss you, or it was so much fun, or best wishes in the future, right? But there was one comment that really stuck with me. It was from a manager. And he said, I'm not sure what I thought about you or what you thought about me, and that's okay. And as a young kid, as a young kid, Now, as an adult, first I understand, like, he was emotionally intelligent of his own right. Like, he he knew where his boundaries were. That's fine, you know, so that's good. But it's not emotionally intelligent to write that on a teenager's cup. And the reason that I know and that's stuck with me is because I want approval, right? I want to hear, you know, that maybe I changed someone's life, that, you know, the smile lit up their day, that they really did enjoy working with me. If you didn't enjoy it, I really don't want to hear it. Is that too real? (laughs) But maybe you can relate. Because how many of you go tomorrow to school and you're just hoping that that teacher will really like what you've done? And and that maybe it'll be a brighter day where you'll get along and they'll finally understand you and you'll understand them. And so you're doing anything you can to get the approval of that teacher. Or maybe you've gone to a job and you know what it is to kill yourself so that one person might say, well done, boy." And so you kill yourself over and over and over just waiting to hear, well done, attaboy. And, and maybe it's why that you, you strive to be funny in conversations. It's maybe why some of you are trying to be charming and kind. Maybe why some of you try to perfect beauty and what you're wearing. Because honestly, we want to be liked and we want to be approved of. That's human nature. But while it is human nature, there is a problem to this. Because people's opinion about us change all the time. Have you ever had someone who really liked you and then the next day they hate you? Yeah. If you're going to live this life, that means you're going to rise and fall like the sun each day based on how someone else is doing. I was reading a really good book called The Search for Significance. I'd recommend it. And the quote from that book says this. It says, But the man or woman who lives only for the love and attention of others is never satisfied, at least not for long. Can you relate? Now, this is going to be important to the gal in the story named Mary. I don't know Mary's reputation uh, before the angel came, but I have a feeling of her reputation after the angel came. Mary was told that she was going to uh, be be conceived, be, be pregnant out of wedlock. And she might have asked, you know, how is this going to happen? But maybe she was also thinking, you know, what are people going to say? Because at that time, to be unwed and with child had a huge social stigma. To walk through the grocery aisle, she was going to get some stink eyes and wagging fingers from the elderly women, that's for sure. And so if Mary was going to live by the approval of others, she was not set up for success in this story that we're considering at Christmas. Not everyone is going to be pleased with her. But that really doesn't matter. Because the angel brought a more significant word. A word from God. The word that should stand above every other word. And the angel said how God felt about Mary and that was enough. The angel went and said greetings you are highly what's that word? Amen. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary could walk away saying, this is how God feels about me. And so regardless of of the misconceptions in my community, regardless of how anyone else thinks about me, I know that God says I am highly favored. I wonder how many of us need to hear that same word. I wonder how many of us come into church and If we're honest, there are some relationships that aren't going so well. There's a tiff with a friend or a spouse or a child. And and if we're going to live by their approval, man, we're not going to feel so good. I wonder how many of us honestly just feel maybe unloved or unlovable because of something that they have done. And I need to remind you what God has said. Let me be the angel. I want to show up in your life and I want to say, regardless of what's going on, greetings. Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And why do I have the audacity to say that? Because of Mary's greater son. Because of faith in Jesus Christ. When Jesus was born, what did the angels say? All of heaven erupted with a song. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You are the child on whom his favor rests. This is awesome. And where does significance come from? It it comes from an understanding that we are favored by God. Back to that book, The Search of Significance. Such a good book. It it has this to say. I'm going to find it. Our true value is not based on our behavior or the approval of others but on what God's Word says is true of us. And what does God say about those who are in Him? Well, in, in 1 John chapter 3, it says how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God, and that is what we are. The prophet Zephaniah said, The Lord will take great delight in us and rejoice over us with singing. How awesome is this? But too often we get it wrong. And too often we wake up and go to bed living for the approval of others. And if we're going to repent of something, we need to repent of putting other people in the place of God. When you let someone else's word come above what God has said about you, they have become your idol, and that is not beneficial anymore. And we need to repent for living for whether it be a spouse, whether it be a child, whether it be a teacher or a boss, instead of living for the Lord and what he has said. Because in Jesus Christ, we have favor. Jesus comes at Christmas to get right all that we got wrong. To live, to die, and to rise again so that we could be treated as he should be treated. So that we could get the applause that he deserved. And all of this simply comes to us by faith. By faith we are credited the righteousness and the approval of the Father all because of Jesus Christ. Our significance has to be in God's favor. But there's more we can learn from Mary. And to talk about this next part, I was just wondering how many of you would say you're planners? Do you have any planners in the building? And I know the good of planning. You know, there's a phrase that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? It's really good to have a plan. And maybe some of you even have one of these, a vision board. And that's actually a really healthy practice when, when you put on the board, you know, where you want to go and what do you want to do. Your mind starts filling in the details, the, the steps necessary to go to that place and do that thing. You know, a vision board can be really, really good. You know, at Amazing Love, we, we talk about planning, a leadership team. Uh, we're, we're right now thinking, what could God do through two full-time pastors? Could it make our ministry even better and more effective? Could we reach even more lost people if we had two full-time pastors? It's, it's good to consider these, these planning things. Right? You wonder what Mary had on the vision board before the angel. You ever go there? So so Mary, you know, she's engaged, so she signed up at the knot.com and she's counting down the days on the cell phone yet. Look how many days, right? And she's maybe picked out a house in Nazareth, the one with the white picket fence, and, and she's planning about 2.5 kids, and, and Joseph's gonna be the greatest husband, and we're gonna have it, we're gonna have it made. And how quickly does Barry's vision board change? Can anyone snap, I I can't snap very loud. Right? Right? And isn't this life? Isn't this how quickly things can change? In fact, I was reading from the Bible. Um, there, there were the people of God in Samaria under siege, and they didn't have enough food. They were starving. And, and then the next day, Jesus says uh, through, through an angel, uh, you're going to have enough. And in fact, overnight, the Lord scared the army away through the sound of chariots, and they left all their stuff, and so Israel could plunder all their silver and gold, and all the food, in a day, changed. There's hope there, right? But it changes in a day. And what I love about what Mary does about this change is her response. There are many reasons to praise Mary for what she does, but maybe her response is, is the best. When she hears of the change, this is what she said. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She doesn't say, but God, I had the house picked out. I don't want this. God, I I don't know what this means. She says, well, I am the Lord's servant. You do what you want. What an amazing response. And if you want true purpose, if you want true significance, significant comes not from being slave to a plan, but servant to God's not slave to your own plan of how you thought life would work out, of what you wanted to do, but rather being servant to God. Because honestly, some of us have lost hope because what they had envisioned never came true. It's the reason why many people have a midlife crisis because all the dreams and aspirations, they're, they're in the middle and they're knowing that some of them haven't turned out and maybe won't turn out. And so sometimes I think we need to go to that vision board. We need to erase some things. Maybe today erase some things. But let me ask you, was was God's plan for Mary, was it better or worse? It was better, wasn't it? Yes, Mary might have had to go to the vision board. She erased white picket fence and four kids. But what should she put on there? She could now put on there, mother to the son of God. That's what we call an upgrade. I don't know how many of us, yeah, we need to erase some things, and it didn't happen, and it might never happen, but maybe you need better eyes on what God is doing in your life right now, because if you look for it, you can find it, and you can write that down. I wasn't that, but guess what I am in Christ, and guess what he is doing now? Maybe some of us keep the vision board, but we also keep the eraser handy, because God reminds us we need to be servants. In the book of James, he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. You know, I I came across a a great prayer that puts us in the right posture when God changes things. It's a prayer by John Wesley, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, John Wesley said this. He said, I'm no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. What was the essence of that prayer? It's our next takeaway that significance is not found in position but in possession, that it doesn't matter what the world makes of me, what position I have, but if I have God, if I have possession of God and he has possession of me, that will be enough. Another way of saying it is, Lord, I don't care if I'm a has-been and never was, if I'm a superstar or just average, as long as I have your favor, that's going to be enough in my life. And that's what Mary had, and that's what we have. May God give us a servant mentality. But one final thing before we go. I'm not sure you can talk about living a significant life without talking about legacy and leaving an impact. And many people uh, think about what future generations will say about them. But I want to just consider with you and level with you how hard this really is. For example, how many of you have a really good working knowledge of your great-great-grandfather or great great grandmother? Does anyone have a good working knowledge of their great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother? Right? I just feel bad that young kids today, they don't know the the splendor of Michael Jordan. Like, they have heard of Jordan, but they don't really get it. Right? Or there are young kids that are going to grow up and not really know Whitney Houston. That's a shame. Right? And Solomon tells us, you know, this leaving a legacy thing, this is really hard. Wisest man who ever lives. He said this. He said, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. So amen, go home, excited, we're going to end there, I'm just kidding. But this is a reality, it is really hard to, to make a lasting difference and to leave a legacy. But Mary did. You know Mary. You know Mary's story, you've heard of her a lot. So let me ask you the question, why do we know Mary's story? Do we know it because of Mary? Because she was the best mother who ever lived, right? She found a manger ahead of her time. Probably not. Why do we remember Mary? We remember Mary because of Jesus. Her story is correlated with his and to that degree, her name is important. She's connected to the greatest name. The name above all names, the only name that when you call on it, it saves. Reminds me of another lady. There's a lady in the New Testament who poured out expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And while everyone else said, wow, what a waste of money, Jesus had a different opinion. And Jesus looked at the woman and she said, see what she did. She poured perfume on my body before I had to prepare my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be also told in memory of her. Because she maxed it out, poured it out all for the sake of Jesus. She is also remembered. What I'd like to share with you is if you want true significance, it is then linking your story, our story, to his story. That's the only way to really leave a legacy. For your kids, for many people who may may not even have met you. And, And what this means is that when you wake up tomorrow and you go to work, you ask the question, how is what I'm doing linked to his story? Am I just working for me so I can build my kingdom and leave my personal legacy? Or am I working to use the talents God gave me so I could give Him glory, provide for my family, and maybe share the gospel as well? When I go to school, am I doing it just for me so that people would know my name, so I'll get a good career and a better position? Or am I doing it so I can have a platform for God, to, to, to be used to share the gospel and give Him all the glory by what He does in my life? When I have free time over Christmas, is it just a a reckless pursuit of me, 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 me? Or is it some rest time so that when the new year starts, I can max it out again for the only name that matters. Is rest for purpose so that I can lose myself again in sacrifice to the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's only one king. He was reigning, he is reigning, and will reign forever. He invites us to reign with him. There is one who is truly great. He is the greatest. May you find joy in service to that name. Amen.